This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) Curiosity may have killed the cat, But curiosity has freed millions of wayward souls from a lifetime of shoulds and vacant stares. And makes for interesting characters in movies, like National Treasure. Heidi Esther guides us on how to cultivate curiosity and other amazing practices that will change the way we navigate our inner and outer world. Valeria Tellis interviews Heidi Esther, the author of Joyfully Ever After, for crying out loud, and The Companion Workbook. Heidi Esther is a storyteller, writer, poet, big feeler, Midwestern mama, and spoiler of all dogs, especially her chestnut-eyed Olive. She is committed to guiding soul searchers to greater joy and authenticity, even when the spaghetti sauce hits the ceiling. Again. She resides in central Illinois with her prankster wife, two eye-rolling teenagers, and two spoiled dogs. When she doesn't have her head in the clouds or a motivational book, she can be found trying to teach her children the virtues of meditation, making sourdough pancakes, or growing parsley for caterpillars. Are you ready to take a journey to joy with a funny bone? Then Heidi Esther, your new best non-preachy mom friend, is here to walk with you. Every week, you'll get practical, playful, mindful tools to get you to joy. What are the tools? encouraging messages, empowering conversations, relatable stories, self-reflections, and printables. Meet Heidi at HeidiEster.com. Here is the interview with Heidi Esther. In your own words, who is Heidi Esther? Wow. Well, first comes to mind is I'm staring at two dogs in blankets. So I would say <laughs> dog mom. Yeah. Um, yeah. But because they are in blankets, uh, that really points to me being a nurturer, like Enneagram 2, all, all the way. Everything in my life is looked at through a lens of taking care. Like, how do I take care of my children? How do I take care of the plants and the birds and my heart and my soul and my relationships? Uh, but on a bigger note, I would say from my last 12 years journey into self-awareness, I would say that I'm evolving and I'm awakening 
and I'm becoming, and I'm also in a new word for me that I hadn't, I hadn't ever identified with, but it rings very true for me is I reflect. I am someone who is, is open in, in relationships and in the world. I can feel and reflect others' energies back to them. And not only that, I've come to the truth in a lot of my relationships that I can see, I see the potential in others. And I, I use my, I use very goofy stories of humility and, and bread that doesn't rise. And (laughs) yes, (laughs) times when Um, I might have like dog poop on my shoes, but I use those as a way to, to relate uh, with others, humanities, and to reflect what people's potential are like right back to them so that they can see the beauty that they have. I wonder how you discovered this gift, Haiti. Is that something that happened in the moment in time or it took time? Uh, let's not talk about time, but <laughs> it, it was a process. <laughs> was it a process to come to who you are today? Yes. So there there has been a, a big journey. And I used to really think that uh, growing up in a home that really valued education and uh, making sure that you had all the knowledge that that everything was, all of that knowledge was bound up in books and in teachers and in schools. And once I opened my eyes to the possibility that you could learn from a sidewalk or you could learn from a grasshopper, uh, then things really started to, I guess my armor that I had been given that I was wearing had started to fall away and I was more able to melt and show my, show my true skin. And the reflecting piece was, is a very, I don't even know, I don't even know why I mentioned it. It's a very new piece for me. And it usually takes me a while to accept and integrate new pieces of myself. Kind of like when you find out something new about yourself. In in my book, I I had had a friend say, hey, Heidi, I think you might be gay. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't you know, um, oh, wait, um, may, maybe. And yeah. <laughs> wow. but, but yeah, yeah. this uh, reflecting piece, I was just in, I was in a webinar with my business coach and she had on a happiness consultant who said, oh, I'm a human design projector. And I was like, what is that? That is curious. And because I'm a very curious person. I looked into it and I'm a human design reflector, which means I always have all of my centers open because I'm always experiencing life. It leaves me a very vulnerable to just taking on other people's. Like I grew up, I was like, I'm going to be my mom. No, I'm going to be my dad. No, I'm going to be my brother. No, I'm going to be the best wife and the dutiful daughter. And um, yeah, so the reflecting is such a new, I feel like it's such a strong, vibrant part of me, but it's like a little baby self because it's only been a month or so I've been toying with it. 
So, but it's such a truth for me. I like, this is why I'm here. I'm here to show others light back to them. I love that. It sounds very, if I can say, I use a word to describe what he's speaking about, I would say spirituality. Is that something that you also describe what you're speaking of, of, of projections and reflecting and being open? Is that something that you also talk about in your works? You bring this idea of spirituality, of what that is? So I don't talk about it direct. I don't talk about it directly, but I believe it is how spirituality, my, my, my fierce spirituality and my centeredness around being in a beautiful dance with the universe is something that I, I try to, you know, communicate with my, my stories, just, you know, even sitting and looking at my, my window, there is, we have a maple tree in our front yard and it's, a couple of days ago, it was just gold. It was golden and the light was filtering through. And then today I look up at it and it's been cold and it, there's brown now. And just being able to enjoy the richness of, of each moment and knowing that everything has a purpose and we're all here. That's woven into into everything that I do that that we all have worth and and we all are connected and with that in mind what do you feel is the purpose of the human experience Heidi I almost feel like you gave the answer away in your question I feel the purpose is to experience but I also I was thinking about evolving and and so I think that that is very tied in also with the human experience is the invitation for each of us in every moment to evolve, but evolve in the way that we're experiencing and all the juiciness and all the loveliness and all the messiness and the ugly cries and the, the, you know, all that stuff, but to stay open to it and to ride to ride the currents, to sit in the stillness, to feel the raging flow when, you know, everyone has COVID and you can't see anybody. And, um, yeah, to stay in the dance, you know, of the hurricane and the sun shower, I think, and being, being able to love and dance through it all. When you say, use the word evolve, when I hear the word growth and it implies getting somewhere, like trying to find a destination to arrive at. So I'm wondering if you have that a vision of a destination, of a place in your own mind, in your own inner world to get to. So when I think of evolving and, and the more and more I'm able to, to sit and not only be in that dance, but also be next to myself, be a consciousness next to myself saying, oh, I wonder why that made me so upset or I wonder why, you know, I, I needed to have dark chocolate at that exact mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I feel that it's not a destination. It's maybe a, the passenger seat. I think the destination is to be so 
with yourself, but not completely consumed and being able to dance and, and know, you know, being able to understand why you're dancing and, and enjoy, it's like you're enjoying life twice. You're, you're, you're able to understand and fully integrate it once you already have that experience. And so, uh, I think that's so, you know, so important. A lot of what I do in the exercises I do are reflective. They're self-reflections. And when I first started writing, I read, I wrote stories and I was a verbal storyteller and but I just had this part of me that was like, you're leaving out part of it. You're leaving out part of it. And it was always this part of, of how I got to where I was. And that is the passenger seat. So the story is, it's important. That's something that I've, I hear a lot, of course. I used to believe that too. I have written a whole book about that. But at this time, it kind of dissolved the idea of creating stories or telling them. Although I don't think we can navigate this reality without belief systems in, in telling stories. Somewhat kind of, I've become a lot more, uh, let's say, free from that. It doesn't speak to me as much as it used to. I wonder why sometimes. Oh, so, so like, I have a question. So you're, so the story, you're not attached to the story as much or you're not yeah. attached to the beliefs? Oh, I love right, that. So you're, right. because you're living more fully in the passenger seat. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. And I love the way you said that. It's almost like this idea of evolving, getting somewhere and also being in the moment or becoming the moment. It's like living twice, having, the way you said it was just very interesting. It kind of um, caught my attention. So it is the um, being in duality, which is this, this space that we claim to know, being a person and having control of something. And then the other side that would be the, let's say the absolute or the unknown, the complete unknown this happening as a miracle, as fulfillment already, being mm -hmm. a human body. So that's what came to me, and it really resonates. I have been also writing about that, and, and every time somebody speaks like you talk about, it's just kind of the whole, my body's triggered, and it just, it's true, it says it's true, that's, that resonates. Yeah, my whole, bo my whole body also uh, went through went through chills, and the only thing I could think of was just pure joy. Yeah, right. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Which is a word we use, but it, it seems like we can't really describe what it feels like, really, because it is a feeling at the same time. It's not a feeling. It's beyond feelings. Mm. Oh, wow. I will talk to you forever about these things and <laughs> explore the, those realms. But for now, let me ask you this question. Do you connect spirituality authenticity, healing, and being or uncovering the true self? Is that all the same somehow, these practices or ideas? Hmm. Well, I think we never quite, I believe healing, healing is a, a journey and, a, and, and a, a set of tools, like when you talk about being in the story versus, versus being in the, in the beliefs. So the healing is the, the modality by which people can ingest the stories, they ingest the reflections so that they can 
fully, more fully understand and, 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 and become more awake and become more alive and, and try to sit in the, in the passenger seat, uh, once, once in a while and being able to connect with that, with that oneness to find. And I think that one of the, the biggest things that I know coming from, uh, I'm a recovering workaholic and, um, coming from a family that's just prides itself on getting so much done is, is, is how much we miss when we do all of the things, how much we miss in stillness and how much stillness is a part of uncovering. It's a part of the healing journey, but it's also uncovering authenticity. It's, it's, you have to be vulnerable with yourself first. You have to be honest with yourself first before anything else can happen. Yes, a billion times to that. Yes, uh, yeah. And the courage <laughs> to live in such a way, to experience this, yeah. Um, yes, wow. And um, well, I have so many questions, the opening questions. Let me just skip them <laughs> and then leave them to the end. Uh, so you wrote the book that will be published in next year, 2022, Joyfully Ever After, for crying out loud. <laughs> and also the companion workbook, that you sent me a copy of. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book, Heidi. Well, I I wrote the book. I first started uh, writing as a joy and mindfulness storyteller. I'd write little snippets of stories with reflections every week. And, it, and after a while, the call came to me and he said, why not start at the beginning? And and I was like, okay, well, I could maybe start writing stories from that place. But it didn't seem, it, it seemed heavier than that. And so I kind of decided, okay, I need to do something about this. And the next morning I had an email in my box that said, do you want to write a short book? And so I, I believe I had, I had my energies aligned and, uh, I wrote this, I wrote this book, but the real, the real part is it is this part of myself when I start uncovering my, my self-awareness, right? I, I have my first taste of stillness and that first touch with with the unknown and the universe and the feeling of of being held and all of these first experiences of just taking the armor off and being honest with myself and i realized that in this journey i took over about a 3 year period I started as an isolated, overworked, stay-at-home mom, and I went through so many iterations of myself, and in the end, I stood up for my joy. I spoke up for myself, and that was something, being someone who is so easily, I'm I'm a, a human who's so easily conditioned to please other, like I'm a recovering doormat. That's what I would say. And so I just want people to know that, that 
no matter who they are and where they're from, that their joy is worth standing up for. Their joy matters. Your joy matters. So, so true. That's interesting. Maybe the reason why my first book had that word in it, joy, Mm. maybe for the same reason that, yeah, Uh, we are joy itself, aren't we? We are fulfillment. But it's so... It's so challenging to realize that, not really to understand, but to realize, to perceive that as a real thing, or maybe the only real thing. Do you distinguish happiness from joy, Heidi, or they are somehow the same from your perspective? So my joy that that I'm rooting for, for, for everyone to have, is that that pure self in the dance and the flow that is fully connected and proud of and honoring, honoring the self, the needs of the self and, and the purpose of the self. And so I would differentiate joy for happiness, I think is something is a little more transient and maybe a little easier to get to. Uh, I, I never experienced, I'd never before I wrote this book, I had never used joy outside of Christmas. And then after I wrote it, I realized, one, I was very proud of myself and my, my younger self. And, and two, the, that, that, that was this, this, this feeling of being in flow, like no matter what happens and you know, my, my kids, I have two teenagers at home and they're often like, mom, how come you're not so mad about this? And I'm like, because it is what it is. And you love all of it or you love none of it. You feel joy, all of the joy or none of the joy. And so I think when you tap into, you tap into that wellspring and that connection in that dance, in that purpose, that's when you become part of the universe and you know that, you know, you're a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. Mm, wow. Wow, I love how deep you get with these things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Heidi, yes. How many billion times to that dance uh, of acceptance, really, isn't it? But it's something that I wonder if there is also a destination for that in the sense of... Um, a balance, a center, because most of us are looking for a place to stay, to find that joy that you speak of, and to live it out and experience that every moment of our lives. And that's really a challenge to understand that it's not really, um, that joy or anything really is a destination, right? There's no place that we can really stay at. That's why I love this idea of the dance when you speak, and that is a word that I relate to, because life is, it's movement, it's energy, and it's free. So it's, it, it's everywhere and it does whatever it wants <laughs> at any second. And we, as human beings, as, as the I or the me, the idea of a center doesn't really get it, doesn't really understand them, that this moment could change. I have no idea what's going to happen to the mind, the state of mind I'll be at 
in seconds from now, minutes from now. Nobody really mm-hmm. knows. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that this idea of controlling, of getting somewhere, staying somewhere, and controlling life, that we, we hold on to it so tightly. That might be, it seems to me, that where suffering really comes from. Yes, yes. And I love what you're talking about with the dancing. And it reminded me of, uh, I'm a fan of the Harry Potter series. I don't know if you've read any of them. So there's a a scene, the ultimate fighting scene between Dumbledore, the good wizard, and Voldemort, the bad wizard. And it's in this amazing scene and everything is very dramatic. But the thing, I think I stopped the movie once I I realized this one thing. It says, so they're, they're having this epic battle and Voldemort uses his wand and throws like thousands of shards of glass over to Dumbledore to like, all right, just get him away and Dumbledore he doesn't even seem like he's having he's not struggling right he does he's not in the struggle he's not in the effort he's he's in in the dance and he takes he t- he just puts his hand up casually like he's going to have a sip of tea and he changes all of those shards of glass into sand and i'm like that's it that's Light. That's the metaphor for life right there. I don't need any of the rest of the well, obviously I wanted to figure out what happened in the you know in the movies. But yeah, just like that that is it. So there's that's that's the dance. Right. And that's Yeah, it's moving in a way has been said before, you're probably familiar with the phrase being present with what is present. And that it's so powerful. That's the way I understand, but then there are so many interpretations of that and so many questions. How do I become present to what is present? And what about if you, what is, it's here now, it's something that's very uncomfortable, like pain, physical pain. How can I be present with that? And so many other questions, I mean, that has to do with suffering and, and pain. But it's not a belief system anymore. It's a realization, too, that we can dance. And it's not always graceful. It's not always perfect as we wish it to be, but it's still the dance. As we understand that this is just a dance, then it's, uh, it's, I mean, that's freedom to me already by knowing it's just a dance. Yes, to allow that invitation and to, uh, to accept the invitation always. Just to realize that this is already it. I mean, being here now talking to you in a human body, this is amazing. How did this happen? I ask myself a lot of times, especially when I'm going to talk to my guests about these things. How did this happen? That's why I call these moments my sacred hours <laughs> to be here because that's when I have this very profound, it's, it seems like experience of that realization, but I don't think it can be experienced anyway. It can only be perceived. It's very subtle, but, but it's here. This is amazing to be here in the human body. So you are a joy and mindfulness storyteller and you're a coach too, right, Heidi? I do have your, um, here somewhere, or your poet, uh, writer. Do you also coach? And if you do, what is like to work with you? Groups, one-on-one? So I do not coach, and I will say yet. Um, I have found myself in spaces 
I haven't quite found my home. I don't know if joining mindfulness storyteller is, uh, you know, that's not the destination. That's just part of the journey. And I have very profound, deep friendships that I have. And I, I hold space and I listen. And I often wonder, I am, I do identify as a highly sensitive person. And so energy is very uh, important to me. And right now I feel called to share my journey and to get it out in a, in a, in a process in a way that even, even someone who's never picked up any kind of a book that would remotely smell of self-help, right? (laughs) That they would, they would pick up (laughs) and they would be able to, to understand and appreciate and maybe, maybe crack open that door to the, you know, crack open the journal, maybe tab their first meditation. And so uh, give themselves some grace. I love that too. That is, to me, it's highly spiritual, if there is such a thing, (laughs) is um, when you you speak of just doing what life's calling you to do at this time. That is truly being open to life. I mean, that's being life itself, really. And it's the most beautiful thing and natural thing I can think of. So thank you for being you, Haiti. That's a, an amazing message. Uh, I am I am I am blessed every day, and I I think maybe that's one of the one of the fruits, the unexpected gifts, like the joy that that popped in my life was the gratitude, just unending gratitude. So there are many exercises that you offer, and you have names for them: peeling the onion, interesting name, and of course, interesting concepts. Peeling the onion, the steps to support, and then feelings parfait. That's my favorite. <laughs> so talk to me for a moment about feelings parfait. What is the exercise about and what we should know and how do we learn to practice or so to dance that dance? That's even better. <laughs> uh, so these exercises are from the companion workbook, and I, I feel like each of them has a special place in my heart. Um, but the feelings parfait. Um, so once I had looked through my full journey of after I wrote the book, I was able to look at and realize what my lessons I learned were. And I believe the feelings parfait might have been the most challenging one, given that I had I'd been brought up to be a human doing, not a human being or a human feeling. So really, it just breaks it down into the babyest of baby steps about the noticing the felt felt experience. So not even not even starting with like our like naming. We're not even name we're not labeling. No lab, no labels here, no judgment. Cause okay, I don't know if I put this in the chapters I sent to you, but I used to when I felt that I had to cry, which was only maybe an annual thing, I would find and lock myself in a bathroom. That is how much shame I was brought up with around any kind of emotion that wasn't labeled as good. So this journey was how I healed that part of me that was in that dark corner and trying to bind myself so that I wouldn't feel anything that was labeled bad. So the feelings parfait is a that part of the journey 
where I can take you by the hand through each little step and let you know that you're okay and all parts of you are are okay and are meant to be felt. Feelings are meant to be felt. It's part, right? It's part of the dance. It's part of the lived experience. And it's part of the miraculous beauty of being human. Mm, uh, yes. How many yes can I say to that too? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I relate to that. Um, cry and then trying to hide to cry mm. because mm-hmm. feeling ashamed um, I don't do that anymore, but I used to. It's uh, stigmatized. The idea of being human, really. We are actually afraid to live, aren't we? Most of us mm-hmm. are afraid mm-hmm. to be humans. We try to be everything else but a human being. <laughs> ah, Especially in yeah. the um, spiritual world, the fields. So it's all about becoming the soul, becoming, elevating vibration elevating everything so we just rise above this which is the human body with all i mean it's the earth itself so i wonder like if we want we love i mean everybody talks about the earth and how beautiful it is but the body is uh, a representation of that we are the earth this is Mm. part of it i mean this is this is it to me as well it's the same thing it's a sad thing when we really reflect about um, on these things, about hiding feelings and, and trying not to be vulnerable. We are really so afraid to show our humanness. Mm-hmm. And there's so much we shut off to when we shut out that, that you're just shutting off the faucet. You're, you're, you're plugging the faucet up, even though it's on full, full blast. It, um, it's going to, it's going to find other ways to come out. Um, and so we're shutting out that light and we're shutting out that connection. And I think that is that, and that is how people learn to differentiate themselves from earth, from everything around us, even though we are all one, we all have that light and that energy. And like you said before, we are so easily conditioned. It's so easy to become programmed and believe something else or follow the the so-called norm or what is normal. And then, um, yeah, that's another undoing. To me, it has been unlearning, undoing, and trying to ground myself a lot more in the body and know what it's trying to say. Breathing is a big, uh, to me, has been like a, a huge practice. <laughs> breathing, breathing, breathing. Uh, just being aware of, not really trying to breathe, we are automatically breathing, obviously, but it's, being aware of the breath and how miraculous it is and how powerful it is when we take a, a deep one. Yeah, I, I I love the breathing and the connection. I remember this is before my self-awareness. I had a doula and she would just talk about breathing. I'm like, woman, when are we going to talk about the actual pregnancy? We just focus on breathing all the time. And now, now whenever I... I find myself in a situation where like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to decide. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and breathe. And in the breathing, in that, in that rhythm, right? It's like you're, you're rolling on the sea and a gentle sea. And then, then you're able, you know, you reground and recenter in your, in, in the flow of your life. And you can, you'll, you'll find, you'll find your way. 
Oh my God, I love that too. <laughs> the gentle sea, I love the ocean. Yes, of course. Mm. Uh, that's a beautiful metaphor, um, analogy. Yeah, I know we love stories and um, metaphors. Yeah, they're powerful. They can teach us a lot. I think they bypass the rational thinking. That's the power of storytelling and metaphors. So we don't, don't rationalize everything because in the end, life, it's really something that cannot be... That we have no idea why we're here and how, what's going to happen when we lose the body. So the idea of rationalizing everything doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the whole, that's the tight grip. Yes, yeah. that's the yeah. tight grip. I remember I used to be right. afraid when <laughs> when sometimes I would I would wake up and I would be afraid of dying. And this is when I was little, like when I was ten or fifteen. And so it's just like like having that that tight grip and rationalizing. Well, I have lots more years to go, and I'll be fine. And no no amount of rationalizing <laughs> yeah. is going to help that. Um, but once you accept that that we're all everything here is temporary or eternal. Mm. Then, ah, then that then it yeah. went away, <laughs> <laughs> or both, right, Heidi? Temporary yeah. and eternal at the same mm-hmm. time. How yes. rational is that? We I mean, the mind <laughs> cannot hold that. How can this be? You human and your spirit at the same time. <laughs> you're divine and you are everything. Um, yeah, the mind cannot hold that. I love the five special friends, the companions, patients. Curiosity, compassion, courage, and consistency. I love curiosity. Of course, patience it comes with the territory. I'm very patient for some reason. But curiosity, that's um, what I love about it is that it has to do with openness, being open to life. So that kind of um, makes us a lot more less judgmental and at a place, a beautiful place of being present, of letting life do what it does, which is we're not apart from life. It's already doing what it's supposed to do. So talk to me before I ask you my final questions, Heidi, about curiosity and why is that one of the, the five special friends? So I, I have a special relationship with curiosity myself. And I wanted to, I had it in there is the first, it was the first friend that I recognized in in the book and it stood out so completely because I had until that point I had not had curiosity in in my life I had that that grasping and that strong attachment to having that knowledge and that degree and knowing knowing what the answer was but once I was able to flip it and not flip it in the way like, oh, I don't know anything and and then right go into shame, but flip it in the way like, oh, I wonder what this might mean or I wonder where this would lead. And then so, so yeah, so I have this exercise. It's at the beginning of the companion workbook so that, so that you cultivate that openness, that non-judgmentalness, the, the letting go of the labels so that you can just, you know, run free in the sand and, and not worry about like how your hair looks or, you know, whether or not you brought the right stuff for the picnic and you can just go and follow where, where your heart leads. And so that is, that might be one of the 
the most important pieces of of the whole workbook is that curiosity. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful one for everything that you described and just giving us that opportunity to be open. And I love the way you talk about the heart, just letting the what it feels true to us to guide, to be the guide. Um, I love your work. It's very playful. It's very light. It's interesting. Light and playful, they go together. <laughs> so it's bright. It's beautiful. Thank you, Heidi, for being you and for sharing yourself with us, with other humans here in this reality. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a blessing every day. And I have a few more questions, the ending questions. Before I ask them, would you like to add anything that we left out that we didn't discuss? Uh, no, I just feel very uh, grateful to be here sharing in uh, in this conversation with you today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so my ending questions, let's see. Let me ask you this one. What is another word for life? Oh, another word for life, I would say awakening, maybe. Awakening and and and, and evolving. Those would be my my two words and i think and then okay something else just just came over me and i'm going to have to say it is love i don't not i this is a, a recent experience with me I, I used to not have such a strong attachment with this word love that didn't have to do with romantic connection or familial connections or self connections but just being able to to share in that light and what is that light what is that light in that dance that we all do mm, yeah in, in life that's love yeah yes yeah when you said the word evolving evolving again evolve in a way it seems like it's the feeling that we are getting closer to something that has been there all along that's interesting it's an evolving thing but at the same time it's a returning to mm-hmm is a, we're getting reacquainted with ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It resonates when I think it that way. So my last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? Mm, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obviously say joy because uh, joy is worth, worth digging for, for sure. I wish everyone to experience life as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so he uh I don't uh so yeah I Winnie the Pooh has been uh, a strong force in my life for allowing so allowing the dance to happen and enjoying the ride and being grateful for the honeypot when you get it mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> yes and true, um true. I wish uh the last thing everyone would experience uh, would be grace. I feel I feel that we are so conditioned to beat ourselves up and to be separate in the not self. And by the by grace we forgive and love ourselves as we are in every moment so that everyone can have that peace and that love for themselves. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank you so much again, Heidi, for your presence here today, for what you do, the way you do it, and everything else in between. Thank you again. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Heidi Esther and her work, please visit HeidiEster.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.